0: Uh-oh. What's up, man? Uh, we got a problem, Andre. What happened? Episode 500 broke the internet. What, literally? Yeah. Fuck, not again. No, it's it, it's all right. I can fix this. I got a time machine. Let's go back. Oh, man. All right.
1: Oh. Wait, wait a second. I think, I think we're back to episode 287.
0: Isn't that when McDonald releases the McLoot box?
1: Yeah, we talked about that for a
0: whole three hours. Oh, I can't deal with this bullshit right now let's go back i know yeah fuck this let's do it again 134 wow that, that is that the, that's the release date of wow classic classic it, yes it is no way no how all right uh listen you just want to go back to the beginning what to start over yeah episode one
1: i kind of like episode one
0: all right episode two it is hey everybody welcome to side scrolls i'm your host robert schloffke and joining me is the luigi to my mario andre da silva hey it's me luigi or andre <laughs> hey you can be whoever you want to be man uh, <laughs> thank you
1: <laughs> how's everything with you buddy pretty good man uh gaming life is uh doing pretty well uh, real life is not far behind um uh, we dealt with some uh some sickness here during the holidays, uh, but uh, everybody's good now. Kids are good, wife's good, life goes on. I'm really excited to be here podcasting with you again. Um, our friends and families and folks out there have listened to the first episode have given us some pretty good feedback, and I'm just excited to keep going, man
0: yeah definitely i'm I'm pretty excited too you know as of right now we're doubling our the amount of content we've produced twice the amount of content exactly so I'm really happy with that and our friends have given us some pretty good feedback i I'm quite surprised I thought we were uh, gonna have to burn the whole thing down after the uh, first one, but I know hey and, and we have more than two listeners <laughs> yeah I'm really happy about that uh, yeah so. Andre, you know, we've been having a lot of things go on. Yes. We've been kinda listening to our podcast, trying to improve a few things. Yep.
1: I have notes for this podcast. I have paper, paper oh, notes. Shit. I don't want you to and get I, too
0: professional on me. I, I don't know what I'm gonna
1: do if you do that. So This is not special effects. This is me shuffling my paper notes.
0: But today is gonna be a pretty cool episode. I, I'm excited about what we have. We're gonna be talking about a few games. Uh, we're gonna go a little bit more in depth in one of the games we talked about last week, just cause, uh, we both played it and this is our big game watch 2019. Everything we're looking forward to in, uh, yep. the next year. Uh, yep, There's a lot of games out there. Uh, that was, a. I
1: I think we should actually come up with like maybe a top three in the end, but basically, um, we're going to briefly discuss all the games that are in our radar that we're looking forward to playing, uh, and why you should care. Um, and um, we're also going to start at something a little different, um, which uh, we think is going to be a lot of fun. So every episode, Robert and I are going to talk about the games you're playing, but we are also going to
0: both play the same game. Yeah, at least one of our games is going to be the same. So that way we can have a little bit more information about it and, and talk more in depth. Because I definitely think... One thing we learned about the first podcast was when we talk about games and describe them, we do it differently. So some things I forget to mention, you are really good at bringing up. And some things, your your weaker points, I I tend to uh, be able to yeah, help you on that. So. Exactly. And also the shenanigans we can
1: uh, kind of take on from this too is you can force me to play Cubivore. Uh, and I can force you to play um, Total War games and that's going to be a lot of fun and that is it's really what this is about. There's Robert and Andre are both similar in many ways as far as our gaming tendencies and preferences but we could also be very very far apart in some games, right?
0: Yeah, definitely and uh, why's it got to be Andre and Robert? Why can't it be Robert and Andre? W- whatever,
1: but my point is there is a type of game that's a Robert game and it's a type of game that's an Andre game and in these segments we're not just going to play like the latest and greatest games that were released but we're really going to try and dig into these games that are like on the far side of our preferences and then just basically try to get the other person's take and i think it's gonna be a lot of fun man uh there's a huge backlog throughout the years of games that we both make fun of each other for having played and loved and that's just gonna be i think gold uh moving on as we go through the program
0: yeah, definitely. I'm like super excited to force you to play some things that you have just rolled your eyes at many I'm times sure. in the past.
1: I'm sure. I can't wait to die a billion times playing Celeste. It's <laughs> going to be great. But cool, man. Um, so we're going to talk about what we're playing. Uh, we're going to talk about the game we're playing in common, which uh, for this episode is the outstanding Into the Breach. Uh, if you're out there and you have not played Into the Breach, go play it right now. Uh, But we'll talk a little more about that and why you should do so later. And then we're going to go into the 2019 games, correct?
0: Yeah, uh, we're pretty much just going to... Well, after we talk about a few of the games, uh, I think we'll go into that in-depth into the breach. And then, yeah, like you said, we'll go into our main quest topic which is games Sweet. in 2019. Now it's not going to be all the games we cover in 2019. It's going to just be the games you and me kind of wrote down that we're really looking forward to. Yeah. To and let we're, you know. we're, you know, we're going to have, um,
1: uh, links to different, uh, segments of the podcast this time available so that you guys can kind of skip ahead. Or if you want to ignore our game or ignore everything that Robert says, there'll be a link in there for that as well. Uh, I'm kidding. Of course not. But, uh, Uh, so, you know, we're going to talk about different games and different lengths and, and, and depths.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, if all the listeners want to do at the end, like comment or tell us like, if there's a, uh, whose games you are more interested in or what, if there's a game you guys are looking forward to just write in and let us know. uh, And we'll, we can also talk about that in the next episode. We would love to hear from you guys uh, on that.
1: Uh, and we we'll can definitely cover that in the f- next episodes to come.
0: But uh, until we get to that, let's let's start talking about some of the uh, the games we're playing right now. What do you All say, Andre? Right. Who goes first? Uh, well, let's let's start with a game we're both playing and end with the game we're both playing. So we'll first start with uh, Wow. I promise you guys, it's going to be pretty short. Uh, not like last time. We're, we are now going to have to use one of our time-traveling resets for this, I promise. Yeah. So, uh, big news for us in WoW. I'm a little happier this week than yes. I was in WoW than last week. Mainly because uh, our guild was able to finally beat the last boss in the raid that right. is currently in, in WoW. Which is... Mm-hmm. it's Listen, I love my raid. I love the people in my raid. But we w- have been working on this thing for uh-huh. six Six weeks now, and yeah. I swear to God, if I had to spend more, <laughs> one more, one more day in this raid yep. with you know these lovely people, I was going to have to, uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, Robert, I don't think that most people
1: understand the level of commitment that wild players are willing to put into a game because you know, my wife, she knows, uh, and you know, if you have folks that played a little bit, they'll understand. But let's just kind of describe this real quick each time for this past six weeks. We would raid twice a week, Friday and Saturday nights, and we would start uh, both times the same, from eight eight to eleven. Right? Is that, is that correct? Depends
0: on when the main tank
1: gets there. Uh, usually right, he's there a little bit late. Uh, you have to make that classy late entrance. But anyways, uh, and then miss your pots and miss your food. But anyways, um, so we would do three hours, tw- two days a week, so six hours a week, and we would do nothing but fight the same boss. And we did that for six weeks. So even if you just put that in the context of a single-player game, I cannot think of a game that I stuck to that I did nothing but try to beat a boss six hours a week for six weeks.
0: Yeah, uh, I think, and I think the final count was around 178 times that we had to fight this boss. Yeah, it varied by that.
1: person, but yeah, it was it was up there. It was close to uh, 200 tries.
0: And listen, this this was. This was rough for all of us, but I have to give props where props is due. Like the whole time, everybody because our guild, you know, our raid team is about twenty to twenty-three people, depending yeah. on who and we're a new guild too. Day. We
1: just came together for yeah.
0: this expansion uh, pack. And th- even even though we were all tired and we were we were ready to be done with this fu- fight, everybody was really positive. Nobody yeah. at any point yeah. was cursing. Uh, yeah, at least not on the outside. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard in this day and age to find a group of people that are going to stick with something that is just kicking them over and over exactly. again. And that's, that, that was my, the final kind of point to what I was saying.
1: It's not just one person doing this. You have 20 people that got together for six weeks in a row, for six hours a week. I mean, the prime time of your week, right? Friday night and Saturday night. Now I feel like a tremendous geek right now, but that's, that's <laughs> yeah. life.
0: Yeah, um, and like I said, uh, but it, it's just—it's a relief. The boss was Gahoon. It's just looking at this thing—it's like a giant slug. Yeah, it ain't pretty. Yeah, it's, it's just a disgusting slug uh, that we had to to fight for uh, six weeks. But it's finally over. It's done. It's, we did it. it. It's good for me, you know. Mission grats on armchair generals. Uh, everybody pulled through. Uh, yeah. And I swear to God, I'm never stepping foot in this damn dungeon again unless I'm one-shotting everything, like three well, expansions from now. And
1: the last thing I want to say, and this is not just about WoW, but guilds in general, groups of people. Um, great guilds, I think, like Armchair Generals, have the folks that are willing to put in the time and to stick to it. Because you could have a guild of, like, all the world's best WoW players, and as soon as something goes wrong, I mean, it happens all the time. Even with, like, world, you know, top top guilds uh the guild just falls apart you know uh and having this kind of resiliency that we did like you said well the environment kept you know the same everybody was you know cool and courteous and everybody's having a good time uh that's really special so uh i feel extremely lucky to have found this group of guys and and gals and uh hope we keep playing for many
0: more wall expansions to come yeah, and we're I'm definitely looking forward to the next raid. But for the next two and a half weeks until it comes out, I am taking a break from raiding and not just taking a step back yeah. to enjoy yeah, life. You know, I think I think I need to uh, treat the wife to a few Friday night dinners. So
1: yeah, we're changing our raid schedule uh, starting. Uh, the next raid to wednesdays and friday nights
0: so yeah it definitely helps us free up some time Now now that we have that over i'm looking forward to trying some more games one i actually just started playing well yep. is uh, spyro on like ps4 spyro is technically spyro's re- reignition trilogy it's the first three games that were remade like uh just remade from the ground up like graphics and all that from the original ps1 games which consists of Three games, which is Spyro, Spyro's Ripto's Revenge, and then Spyro: Year of the Dragon. As far as remakes go, um, this is an outstanding
1: remake. Like you don't often get remakes that I-, I think like really take the detail and the
0: yeah, it's it's definitely like it's it's more in the vein. It's not just like high gra- uh, res textures and all that. Right, it's, they, they m- rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah, exactly. So where you were looking at a maybe uh in the PS one where the three D graphics were really, really rudimentary, like twenty pixels to make one character or polygons to make a character. Right. This right. is just like straight it looks straight up like an animation film. It does. At it's least like the, uh,
1: it's a real eye candy for you know I guess everybody yeah. but kids kids really
0: Yeah, and it's it's as a game to play right after like a very stressful situation like the range two hundred ra- tries uh, of the yeah, it, it's really nice because this is, especially, I've played the first one right now. I beat the first one. I want a Platinum It, uh, which just basically means I got all the trophies uh, and all the achievements, achievements or whatever you want to yeah. call it. And it was basically, it is such a simplistic game, especially the first one. It, in a way, it is a bit boring because all you do is, you just go around, it's a like 3D adventure platform where you have yeah. two attacks, like you have a charge and a yeah. and a fire breath and you you just kinda of go around collecting doodads or uh Gems like or gem- whatever. Yeah, you have like def- the dragons. Yeah, you have like uh you know, dragons you have to find that'll unlock like the actual new levels, but then you need like gems. There's like the currency and once you collect all those you can uh, go to a different level. So it's it's just very much like one of those old school collectathons, at least the first one, uh, that I was able to turn my brain off, just kind of look at yeah. it, you know, enjoy it for what it is. It's great for smaller kids, especially if you want to s- first start getting them into games because it is yeah. so simplistic. Yep. Nowadays, like with advanced games and so, it you really only have like minimal controls on this, but it's it's super fun. It's lighthearted. Uh, yeah there is little to no story, at least in the first game. It's it's It starts off where the bad guy is watching TV, the dragons talk smack yeah. about the bad guy, yeah. and then he gets angry and he turns them all into statues. That's yeah. all, except for Spyro for some reason. And yeah. then you have to go around rescuing everybody. Uh, yeah, so,
1: uh, you know, I, this is not a game that I would buy, right? Like, I just, I would not, man. But uh, after seeing you playing it and watching, uh, you know, how accessible it was and how pretty it looked. I got it for my kids and, uh, for Christmas. And I was playing with one of them. Um, the little one asked me to help him and I started helping him and like an hour went by and I was still playing and he was like, dad, can I, can I, can I play? And I was like, Oh, I was like, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, 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 I totally get what you're saying. Like where you, it does kind of relax you and it's kind of a mindless thing to do, but you know, it looks very pretty. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think for anybody out there who's a dad or a mom, and you got uh, you know little dudes or dudettes, you're trying to get to uh, to play some games. Uh, it's it's tough sometimes to find games that are not excessively violent. My wife's real big on that. A lot of things that are meant for kids are like really violent these days. So uh, this game, I think, it's like a perfect starter for younger kids and uh, video games.
0: Yeah, and definitely, and and the thing is, is like right after I beat that, and my son too also was like, he's he's a little bit younger, he's he doesn't quite grasp games very well yet. He's not good with the, like the dual sticks and and all that, but he like I would I would control the movement of the character, and he would just like push the fire button, and he'd be yeah. breathing fire, and he was like super happy with that. Yeah, but uh, uh, and then the good thing is, is after they beat the first game, and you know you. You don't need to do everything in the game like I did Platinum. That's just kind of like a fun side thing to do. Like, even if you just play it normally, all the bosses are super simplistic. They don't have more than one or two mechanics. But then, as I'm playing the second game now, and, uh, I there, there Dark is Dark def- Souls. No, 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 I mean the <laughs> second one in the trilogy. <laughs> it's, it's very much like a progression in gameplay and mechanics from the first one where the first one was super basic. You just had these two abilities, but now it's showing you like when you fly as a dragon, you, you can push an extra button and you'll do like a little lift at the end of the the jump. And, or like you can, you actually learn abilities throughout the game. Whereas as in the first one, you just had the two abilities you had and that was it for the whole game. And this one, like say, Oh, you found like so a ladder and you can 't climb it because you don't know how to climb ladders yet, so then you go to a guy and he he teaches you how to do that, and then right. you backtrack and go go do things like that so there's there's just a little bit more the story is much more involved like there's there's actual like conversations you have with people there is an overlooming threat like in the first game, the only other time you see the the boss the last boss is in. Like the opening cinematic, which is what, thirty seconds long, and then yeah. the final boss fight. There is no in between there, there's no build up to it really. Whereas uh in this one, you actually Ripto he, he follows you through like you have to stop him at multiple times during the game. So it's Right it's you're much more Yeah, it's much more like a Scripted, which, which is thing. cool because
1: especially if your kids are playing it, you know, it's like a natural evolution t- for them to go from that, you know, the first game through something that's a little bit more elaborate, you know.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it right now. I'm playing for about two hours the se- the second one at least, and I'm definitely going to try and platinum this and then move on. But it, it's one of those games where I don't play all the time, like I don't need right. to because it's it's very segmented, and that's fine. It's just something to. When I need to relax, or if my kids are around and they're they're interested in games, I can play that safely there. So, right, okay. But uh, I mean, I like that it is very colorful and uh, almost cartoon-like. Speaking of which, uh, Andre, why don't you tell me a little bit about Nino Kuni? Nino Kuni uh,
1: is a game uh, that it, Okay, so I'm playing Nino Kuni two. Right, the first one uh, is a classic JRPG release uh, for the PS3. Uh, and was it made by Studio Ghibli, or is it just like animated by them?
0: No, no, it's it's neither. Like the first one was, but the second one is not. It's by right. Level Five, if I'm uh, right, is a studio that developed it. Level right, five? But, correct. It's uh, inspired, but by, by Studio Ghibli, though. There we go. So if you ever watch any of the Studio
1: Ghibli movies, um, which there are several out there, uh, Spirited Away, probably one of the uh, better, well-known ones.
0: Yeah, it was Spirited Away, then you have uh, uh, My Neighbor Totoro, and uh, it's not Spirited, what's the one about the forest that I... Yeah, the first one,
1: uh, Research Time.
0: Yeah, and also like Howl's Moving Castle is...
1: Yes, Howl's Moving Castle was very good. Yeah.
0: Princess Mon- oh, Jesus, Princess yeah.
1: Mononoke. That's, that, awesome. that's it, Prince, Yeah, that's the right. that's what got them started. Nineteen ninety-seven, Princess Mononoke.
0: Okay. Well, it's not what it got them started, but it's they they've been they've been around. Basically, they're a very famous Japanese studio uh, that's been around for like 40, 50 years now. Wow,
1: oh, you're right. Uh, My neighbor Totoro was from nineteen eighty eight.
0: Yeah, I think Porcoroso was uh, earlier than that. But but anyways, so anyways. So JRPG, uh, excellent all around. The first one,
1: uh, it kind of had like a very niche kind of battle system that some people got turned off by, uh, and it was much like a, kind of like an animated game. Like it was basically like a anime that you had like playable parts of. Um.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the first game's gameplay was more like turn-based RPG. But yep. with Pokemon like elements, yeah, like a 3D environment that your characters can around, and each of them had like Pokemon that they would collect and fight enemies with. Exactly. So, and the big difference in Unicrony Two, of
1: course, is a direct sequel, takes place in the same world. Uh, the battle system is completely revamped. So now it's an action RPG battle system, uh, much like the Tales games. If you ever play the Tales games, where when you encounter an enemy, you get put into basically like a small like arena, uh, that's where the fight takes place. Uh, and you have a party of three, uh, typically, uh, and each character has their own types of abilities and, and magic and stuff. Um, another big part of the Inokuni 2 is that the story, uh, and I won't spoil it much, but basically, the main character is a young prince who gets um, dethroned, uh, per se, you know, kind of a conspiracy thing. His kingdom gets taken away from him. Uh, and yeah, he, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So, well. I guess if you tie it to the first one, the first one takes place about 400 years before this one does, at least in the right. timeline, and you, and you, so you don't really need to play it you uh, do. at all. Like, it's, it's not, story. yeah, it's not tied to because the first game is like a 70 80 hour RPG. Yeah, and, but, and if you
1: play the first one, there's references in this game that are going to be like little nuggets here and there that you're going to uh, you going to appreciate. But if you didn't play it, it's not going to not going to matter. Yeah,
0: and and this. This game does start off a little strange because you start off as the president of the United States, and this is... Well, they don't the, say United States, but okay, yeah, you so,
1: start, so, you're like a president, and you're like in your presidential limo, right? Yes.
0: So, the, I mean, it starts off, you're the president of some country. Right. You know, let's not call it the United States, but, but it, They give the impression it, it, that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and when this happens, like, oh, so a nuclear bomb goes off. Right, well, so and, you're
1: driving in a bridge, like a really big, like, bridge, kind of like a...
0: Yeah okay, like the Golden Gate Bridge. The
1: Golden Gate Bridge, yeah, yeah, towards like the city, and then like you look out the window and you see like a missile flying by, and the missile lands in the city, and it's like a nuclear bomb, and everything
0: goes wide, yeah. and then you yeah. wake and up. So yeah, when you wake up, you're in this fantasy world, if yeah. I'm if I'm not mistaken, and yes. there, when you wake up, there's a there's like a coup happening. Right, you right? wake up
1: right in the middle of the action, and basically for some reason, you also wake up with a gun. So, like, you have a gun in this fantasy world, and you like save the little prince. You shoot like the people, and you save the little prince. And then, you know, he has to escape. You help him escape,
0: and that kind of yeah, sets and up it, the story. And it's like the coup is like, you know, the rat citizens because it's it's they're they're not like I don't they're not exactly rats, but they're like anthropomorphic type rats.
1: Yeah, they're like rat so, people, and in in this in this setting. Each of the, like, countries is, like, a different animal or a couple different animal species that are, like, humanoids that live in. Yeah, yeah, so,
0: like, like the prince is, like, a prince. He looks like a boy, but he's got, like, cat ears. Yeah, he's, so like, a cat the, So, basically, the, yeah. the the rat people want to revolt against the cat prince.
1: Yeah, and, like, you're, so the way it works is your father just died, and there's, like, a ceremony that ties this, like, being that protects the kingdom to you, and then you become the king. It's called the kingmaker. Uh, but then the advisor to your to your dad, the mouse dude, basically takes over and kicks you out before that ceremony can take place, so you never become king. Um, okay,
0: so so that's kind of the start of it. And like, do you do you mostly play as the like the president guy, or is it like the king? Yeah, like, how so, does that narrative so, take? place? So
1: here's here's the deal. Um, and for those of you who are worried, this is like we're just talking about maybe the first like ten minutes of the game. So. These are not big spoilers or anything. Um, There's no, per se, assigned main character. It's kind of a split thing between these two guys. Um, I like to play as the president dude um, based on his abilities and his combat style. Uh, But the focus starts to shift to the the little uh, boy who wants to become a king because the whole premise of the game from that point on is to create your own kingdom. and they really did a fantastic job. Um, in most JRPGs or RPGs like this, you know, typically you have a very large, sprawling world and you meet all kinds of characters. Um, and in this game is, is right along those lines. Uh, there are very colorful characters, uh, very distinct characters, and as you meet them, you actually get to recruit them to help you build your kingdom or to work in your kingdom's capacity. Um,
0: okay so like what you're saying is when you start you have to rebuild a kingdom like you get kicked out of the old kingdom right no
1: yeah you, you have to start from scratch yeah you have okay. to basically build a kingdom from scratch and I'm not gonna spoil anything but basically you find a way of doing it you find some people initially that obviously don't believe in you they're laughing at you but you have you know your friend who's the present guy and a couple other close friends that escape with you uh, and you're going through this journey um, one thing that really attracts me to the game is that the kingdom building and management, has its own interface, and it kind of feels like a gaming side of a game, which is really nice. So it, it's definitely a very unique kind of game. If you're into sort of any kind of JRPGs, Final Fantasy type games, you really owe, to your, you owe it to yourself to try this out. Uh, it's beautiful. It plays great. Uh, it has a great story. I, I kind of have it in, in, on, on like the back burner right now a little bit. I have three active games in playing. Uh, but I totally, fully intend to completing it over the next couple of weeks, getting back into
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. I I, I definitely want to check it out, too. Like it's I, It seems like it's a game that's right up my alley. I played the first one. I never beat it because of just the time commitment, and I really didn't like the battle system in the first game. Yeah. Uh, but this game, I, I heard that they definitely revamped the battle system especially to make it a lot more uh, enjoyable for me. Uh, yeah because it, they got rid of the whole Pokemon aspect, which just is, i like i like pokemon i i don 't mind collecting things, but the whole there was too much of it in that game to, right. to make a lot of sense uh, I definitely want to try that, out, and that might be like a game uh so that we, both we might talk about it? yeah yeah later on yeah, that 's cool uh, I mean talking about things
1: that are time commitments and then we both play, you have been playing some magic,
0: yes, yes, definitely now magic arena is a new. Version of Magic that is on computers. It's it's kind of like a streamlined version, a prettier version, because uh, they have Magic Online, which yes. is just basically the card game online. But yeah, the and, interface and for those of you who are not familiar, Magic: The Gathering is
1: basically a card game you play. It's a collectible card game. There's hundreds of thousands of of, of cards. It's been around for a long time, like Robert says, since the the 80s, uh, and it's a game that has a like unlimited amount of strategies and and um really has the potential for you to sink a ton of money and time and effort into it.
0: Um, yeah, it's it's I mean it's essentially a dueling game where you it's like one player versus one player. Right. Uh there are other different variations of it, but it's not that's really not so important right now. Like I don't I don't think we need to have like a huge lesson on how to play Magic cuz that could take a while. Oh. But it's just yeah, I know. But I just started playing this like a week ago. With the game awards, they had like a uh, a code you can get a few extra cards. But I wanted to check out this version specifically because it is flashier. It's much more like like when I heard about it, I thought it was going to be more like Hearthstone, which is right. kind of like a uh, it. I don't mean more it in like paced. yeah. I don't want it to sound like pejorative, but Hearthstone is a lot more simplistic than Magic, and I was worried that this yeah. Magic was going to. Be like a simplistic version of Hearthstone. Now, for all the Hearthstone players out there, I know that there's a lot of strategy to the game. And I'm using that as a comparison because I know Hearthstone is so big right now and you can play that anywhere.
1: Right. And, and there's a, there's an interesting correlation there between Magic and, and uh, Hearthstone, right? Because obviously Magic is one of the most successful card games uh, ever out there. And it, it never quite made the leap successfully to a electronic platform, a game that kind of, you know, breached uh into like newer audiences and then Blizzard comes out of Hearthstone and it's kind of like an instant success and it's on the iPhone, it's an Android, people are playing it everywhere. Uh and it kind of has its, it kind of has its own audience. It has its own player base.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's one thing I think that uh Magic Magic Online has struggled with in the past is right. it's it's the core game is there which because it's the core game it's automatically like super fun. They always do the typical competitive scene on there as well where it's like there's drafting and then there's uh the constructed which is basically you you bring your own cards to the game. But it's it's just always been clunky. It's it's never worked well. It's just the boards are very lackluster. It, yeah. It's the game but it's just that's all it is. And they've yeah. always had problems with servers, and it just never really clicked you know, it's, well for it's me. Definitely rough around the edges. So, uh, so basically, s-
1: Wizards of the Coast is is really trying to bring that uh, Hearthstone formula to their product.
0: Yeah, and definitely like so. Magic Arena is basically their. It's I was surprised to find out it is the same Magic game. There's no right. rule changes. There's it's it is Magic, but it's finally in a format like a visual format and. That makes it very easy to play and where the magic online is just the same game as the physical card game where it's just they you just buy packs and then you use the packs this right this has uh where it takes from hearthstone is where you have daily quests which daily quests like say it's like cast 40 of a particular type of spell right like, get a little, like
1: mini achievements you get them every every day
0: yeah, and, and you'll get a little bit of gold in that, like say, right. like 300 or four. And then, you know, you do enough of those, you'll build up enough gold and you can spend it on either buying card packs themselves, because I think a card pack is like 1,000 gold. Oh, you know what I'm doing right now?
1: I'm freaking downloading Magic Arena. I hope you have
0: that. <laughs> I Yeah, you should have just closed your eyes right now. And I, so. Uh, Oh, close your ears. Uh, sorry about that. So they have those, and and usually get like three quests a day. So basically, you could probably you'll probably get about f- anywhere between like three hundred to five hundred gold if you do like your daily quests. So so the packs are a little different. Instead of like fifteen cards, you only get eight in a pack if you just purchase it outright. Right. But they also do do drafting and constructed, and they what's always drafting, have like
1: what's drafting? So,
0: yeah, so drafting is how I like to play Magic and any type of card game, really. Basically, drafting is a format which is called limited. There's there's two types of limited: drafting and sealed. Uh, where with drafting, you get three packs of cards, and in each of those packs, you every pl- every player in the tournament. Say that there's about eight players. They open right. up a typically there's eight
1: players on a table.
0: Yeah, they or open a virtual a pack. table. Yeah, they open their pack. They see all the cards they get they pick one of those cards. They take that card and then they pass their pack to the left or right right, or...
1: So if it's it's 15 cards, you take one out and you pass 14 to your right. Yeah. And And everybody, all eight people do the same
0: thing. Yes. And so what I like about it is it becomes two games in one. Uh, One, it's picking the cards that either you want to get that are going to fit right into your deck because you have to make sure you grab cards that are, have like synergy. And it's also trying to figure out what other people are doing so you can either starve them for cards or like it's a bit psychological in that that phase. Like it takes a lot, but also everybody is just getting three random packs. You guys are all starting at the same level. Like everybody's putting the same amount of money in it. Yeah, there's a little bit of luck involved because some people might get right. that super rare card that's super powerful but for the most part everybody can if you're good enough in draft you can you yeah, can you, compete you, you in everything you be
1: able time. to make a good deck with just about anything right like depending how yeah. how good you are and it's drafting is like a science and an art there's all kinds of videos sites and and there's like a whole fan base just for the format and not not just in magic but in other games as well
0: but so that's what drafting and that that's just what i like to play but they do that in this game and it's when you draft in here like if you purchase a if you purchase a pack just like the 1000 gold pack which is obviously in game money uh in game currency that you earn through just these quests uh, you can do that uh those will be like eight cards you'll get you get one rare and then you'll get eight uh other cards seven other cards it's all random you never know what card you're going to get uh but if you do do the draft it, you know that's usually typically real world money or it's like 5000 gold uh right so it's a uh, a little bit more but those packs are like the standard 15 uh the standard 15 card packs so i like that and they it seems like they always have these fluctuating tournaments like they did have a constructed but it's a pauper constructed that it was free to play and i did that and you a pauper means like the cheapest cards like the common cards that everybody can yeah. get you can only use those cards so ex- and you ex- can make lose p- the rare cards Yes, it's just like the cheapest cards—the cards that everybody can get, and they're easy to find. And they're even yeah, if you it, want to purchase them, they're they're super cheap. But what I also like, so that tournament, it was, it's free to play. It was free to play. Uh, you just have to make a deck, and it's one of those things where you just go as far as you can, and you'll get a reward, which is typically an alternate card. And it was an alternate pauper card. Or if you did, uh, if you got all the way to the fifth win without losing two two losses, you would get uh, like a. A rare card like a specific rare card which I played it twice the first time I got one regular card uh, actually I played it three or four times but th- since it's free you're not losing anything uh, and it's just it's a way to be able to still be engaged with the game and, and I really like what they've done for people that even can't afford to always spend money there's ways to earn right. it and and still be involved in the game because you know if you some people can't spend all that money but like a lot of games are doing now it's not necessarily people that are paying that you want in you also want people that can play so there's a bigger player base so everybody like so even the people that are playing can be matched and and more people are yeah. are enjoying themselves so
1: yeah and the thing I, about magic that i think really is like a unique uh thing is they basically they're they're like pay model is literally pay to win. Like when you think about the physical cards, the more money you invest, the more expensive cards you buy, the better is your chances to to play. And somehow that has remained intact in our current day and age. Like it's this weird loop where everybody's fine with that. Like even for me, like it makes sense. Like magic cards, like they're valuable. I, I can buy a magic card for a hundred dollars, and that's okay, you know. Like, but it somehow it doesn't translate into the whole, you know, pay to win. Like controversy that, that we have in games right now.
0: Yeah. And that's I, they they've had a couple systems between Magic cuz with Magic on online, the other game that I'm not really playing, like there's a way you can trade your cards in to get right. real money. Yeah. In this game you can't. I don't see an auction house. But one thing that they do that I really like and they've kind of borrowed a little bit from Hearthstone is though you can't sell your cards there's these things called wild cards in the game, and they are different rarities. Uh, there's the the same ones, common, uncommon, rare, and legendary. And basically, if you have one of those, you can make a copy of one other card you have. So say you have like a 1-1 one, one creature that's a common. If you have a wild card, you can essentially duplicate that that card, and oh, you see. permanently that have it. Cool. So you permanently have it so you're not losing anything which so if you're having a hard time finding the right cards that you really want and again this is for constructed uh then they have a system where even if you're not getting it you might be able to get it you might be able to uh duplicate it somehow uh and also when uh when you get those cards it's uh I guess I lost my train of thought there. I can't quite remember that last point, but I just really like the systems they've done for this. And it's again, it's competitive. They just they just started their league with it, so you can still earn points and wind up going into. Uh, uh, you can go to like tournaments and stuff through the oh, like game. a pro tour and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So. I I'm not playing much of it right now. Uh, I, I'm playing it a little bit, but I just like the fact that I can play it and there's very little commitment that I need right now as far right. as monetary. Because that's one thing about Magic that both me and Andre know is it's a game that you can easily spend. It's a sinkhole, yeah, hundreds and hundreds of dollars yep. into. Oh yeah, uh, which I, I I have done in the past, and but I can still play it now, even with like the pauper tournaments or or and they it seems like. They're on like a rotating schedule where these tournaments are changing every like couple of weeks. So, so I was going to ask you, like, what is the ver-
1: verdict then? Like, what's your final judgment? Like, have they succeeded in kind of bringing magic to the masses? Sort of, sort of, sort of deal. Like, is magic more accessible? Is it a better product in Magic Arena?
0: What I can say is, it's magic. It's it's the same magic. Nothing's changed uh, fundamentally about the game, but digitally, it's the best version of Magic there's ever been. Oh, to okay. it, it, uh, just kind of wa- sum it all down and I'm super yeah. happy I mean, where just, it's going I just
1: downloaded it I, it looks looks great I'm going yeah, to try I, to do I,
0: the casual thing like you said like play, yeah you know, and then, like, you know, like I said I've, I've only played like a couple of games but it's, it's nice like even if you know getting the quest done and you, you still probably lose a lot uh, but it's, it's just a fun system, and I, I've always liked it, and I'm so happy to see it is it's like evolving because one of the things about Magic Online that we've talked about is it's just been the same thing for years. They never updated it. Everything was horrible like as far as the interface, but this everything is streamlined here, and I love it. So yeah, I'm definitely going to give my stamp of approval on Magic Arena that it is the best digital format of Magic Arena I've ever seen. And, yeah, and I mean,
1: obviously, I'll just go oh, very quick. Secondary take here that I, you know, I've voiced this to you before as a concern is even though Magical Line had like a real rusty UI, like you mentioned, and had like, you know, it was very like rough around the edges and technical and glitchy or whatever, um, it had like quite the fan base. And the thing about Magical Line when they released it initially is that it was an exact representation of the card game. So cards in Magical Line would also be valued at hundreds of dollars sometimes right uh, a booster yeah, cool. pack you can buy a physical booster pack for three ninety nine, dollars and you can buy a booster pack in Magical Line for three ninety nine, dollars same exact price uh, yeah. and throughout the years and it's been around for what since like 1999 something like that so you know almost 20 years I know I have a sizable library of cards Magical Line and although I will play Arena and I will check it out I'm sure I'm going to have fun with it really does feel like a bit of a punch to the nuts that I can't have my, you know, cards that I bought from this company on the magical line, you know, transferred over to Arena, so...
0: Yeah, no, I, I get it. And like I said, some, some of the purists might might be upset the fact that, like, nothing transfers over. It actually only has, I think, like, the, the last four sets of Magic since right. uh, 2019. So it's... It, but starting now, like... It's like at some point they just had to count their losses, and yeah, like for the past, magic online is still there if people want to play it, or uh, magic uh yeah right. magic online important but know, arena yeah. arena, I think, is for newcomers and just people that aren't aren't hardcore into magic, it's a great way to start and a great way to play, and eventually it's going to get that library where unless you're playing um. I'm not. I think it's called legacy, where you can use all cards in Magic. Right. Typically, you can only use cards that are released in the last two years. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, but competitively,
1: yeah. I but. mean, so the the bottom line really is like this game was made to appeal to a broader audience, right? And yes, whenever something like that happens, when you have an established product, you're going to alienate some of your older. You know, fan base, which I, I, I get it. It's it. It's interesting to see how it's going to plan out. You know, play out over the next couple of years. Um, it may turn into its own thing where everybody just plays both, and it has its own player, you know, player base. Or they may, like you said, eventually kind of cut the cord of a magical line. Which it, I think if we do get to that point and that does happen like that, cold turkey, we're going to have a quite the shit show in our hands. Uh, but um. I think I think it's a good effort. I think I think their kind of, I think their their heads are in the right place. So hopefully, Wizards of the Coast is gonna handle that pretty well.
0: Yeah, and I think they will. I mean, they're they've been around for what thir- almost thirty years. I know uh, well not longer than that because so, they own D and D. So yeah, yeah. But th- I mean, that's just pretty much my take on it. Uh, well, cool, man, it was,
1: like you 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 uh, made me download the game. So maybe some other people listening are gonna do the same
0: yeah and like i said it's free to play or free to try so it's low commitment on anybody's part cool all right so um
1: what else am i playing i'm really playing graveyard keeper I talked about it last week um not going to talk about graveyard keeper in a whole lot of detail right now i want to kind of i want to beat the game and then maybe get robert to play it um, so we can talk a little bit more about it uh, unless you have some specific you want to say about graveyard keeper
0: no, I mean I haven't gotten into it yet. Like I said, uh, I'm I'm playing a few other games, and I definitely would like to try it. Uh, I think it's a game I would have a lot of fun playing. Uh, but just right now, I'm trying to clear a few of my other games. That um yeah
1: yeah. So so the game the third game that I'm playing is actually the game we're going to talk about in our new segment that we don't have a name for yet. But um basically, is the game we're both playing and. Um,
0: we don't. We didn't know, right? Like we didn't know if this was going to be an Andre or a robber game. No, I think it was your game, like because you're the one. As you'll find out, like you were the one that kind of championed it in the beginning. Okay, and well, I, I did get it first, but this is a game
1: that was very widely um, recognized as an outstanding game, right? It won uh, best strategy game of the year in the Game Awards, so this is not like a, this is not like a, a niche, right? I, I bought it. Uh, yeah, no, uh,
0: it's yeah, first. you bought it and I have been thinking about playing it but after our conversations last week right. and you know, a few other things I listened to like the Giant Bomb's uh, Game of the Year awards where they discussed it in depth. I, I I was very interested in in the game myself. Right.
1: Right. And and it, it just turned out to be what, what would you describe it like you, you had a good time but it's not like uh
0: yeah, I'm definitely like I'm not as hot on it as you were. Like I know you, you really, really loved it. I, I'm more like it's. There are things about the game. I think we should start off uh, before we get into what I didn't like about it. Okay, uh, just fair enough. Let me let me kinda, let kind of kind of reiterate what it was about. Yeah. So let me let me start from the beginning. So, Into the Breach is a
1: strategy game, right? It's a four by four. You play on a uh, board of about
0: eight squares like, by eight squares. Yeah. Yeah. And You're looking at it like a tactical game. like uh, It's right. kind of like, think of it like a chessboard, Right. But it's and eight it's by a, eight squares.
1: It's deceptively simple in it that it's a 16-bit type of graphic game, but it really, really sets up a, a very unique mood and, and environment with what he has. Um, basically, uh, humanity's been destroyed by these creatures that come from uh, inside Earth somehow, uh, and you're part of this elite group of soldiers that control these robots. I mean, if you've seen the Pacific Rim movies, um, it's got a lot of similarities. Right? It's a group of three uh, giant robots to fight giant monsters. Uh, yeah
0: you know, so t- typically you the, the game starts. it's very little story. It's basically they kind of want to give you like the basic background. Yeah. there are bu- there are bugs attacking cities in in these four islands, and you have to defend the cities with right, your right. squad of mechs, but but the game starts like, at the,
1: like it starts at the end, like you lost, right? And so the the like the little bit of story that you have is the guy, the main guy, the commander. He goes, all right, you know, reset the timeline. Let's go back to another timeline. So basically, your little group of people can go to different timelines, like like different universes within that universe, uh, to try and save Earth.
0: Yeah, it's basically like the whole back to the future thing where you go back to change a timeline and then that's going to be the new timeline. Exactly. So so what I but you don't take your whole squad back. You can take one pilot back cuz this right. is if essentially you, if you have to reset. So this is essentially like uh it's a rogue I want to say it's a rogue like. Right. I would say uh, it, it can be a road light but which is a weird difference the way it works is the islands you go to and the maps on the islands change every single time
1: right so at, like, first, it's not, at like, first you have to go to like the first island and then there's a second and third and fourth but once you've done once you've unlocked all of them at least once and you start a game over you can start in whichever island you want
0: yeah, and I did like because each of the islands has a, like a particular different theme to it. Like the bugs might be slightly different, or right. like there's, there's one like island mechanic. where, yeah, like there's one island where you f- also fight uh, like robots that are going out of control, or right. uh, like the there's like different environmental things that happen. Um, yeah, and like the, there's like sand in like a different island, right, right, right. And, so which I'm, I do I'm, think that's
1: pretty. I'm I'm gonna get into the like the details of how the the game mechanics work, but. I kind of want to paint a little bit of a, bit, a better picture. So when you start off, uh, you always start off with three mechs, right? And there's three pilots, but one of the pilots, it's like a special pilot that he has like a special ability,
0: right? Yeah, I, I do think now you should talk like... You start off with a squad right? uh, of mechs, which is so typically there's there's actually eight, eight squads in the game. Right, uh, which you only start with one of them unlocked. Correct. And uh, basically... Uh, the different squads you can unlock by purchasing them but they all play differently uh, which yes. I like but you always play with those three type like so you pick one squad it's always those three three mechs like the first right. one uh, well I guess you can talk more about it
1: right well so uh, basically uh, of the pilots um, you also like there's different squads there's different special pilots you start off with one special pilot unlocked uh, and The special pilots, like I said, they have like one distinct special skill or characteristic the same way that each of the robot teams have like a theme or mechanic. And when you start the game, you go to the first island uh, and throughout your adventures, uh, a time capsule can crash into the scenario that you're in. And if you succeed in maintaining or securing the time capsule, you can encounter new pilots. Um, And once you've encountered a new pilot and you have him in your team, Uh, even if you reset the timeline and you don't keep him from from the next go he'll be unlocked and from that moment on you can start the game with that new pilot unlocked which is really cool but yeah so um team of three for example the first team um there's classes of of robots so you start with a range uh robot uh that has like a ranged attack um the attack that that robot has correct me if i'm wrong but it hits a square Right where like the alien is, and then it pushes back anybody that's in adjacent squares.
0: Yeah. So so yeah, you have that robot. Then you have like what the like a regular like mech suit robot. Think of kind of like like a Gundam suit. Yeah, they're called Primes. Yeah. So what they do is they're just like they're more like of a melee melee because um, you're where that I think the first the first one in the first squad it just punches something and then yeah, it yeah, f- pushes it back right right and the uh, third
1: the, the third mac is called a heavy and it's a uh, the type is a heavy and it's basically a tank and it shoots like in a straight line uh, it's like a ranged version of the the prime's attack it hits something and knocks them back a little bit now i just want to talk about how why is that all interesting because so in the game you're trying to protect the power grid because the power grid is what allows your max to function
0: and for you to jump.
1: Uh, to actually, it's for it to function, right? Because you can jump trial lines if they... If
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, let, me, let me back up just a little bit. Uh, so you you take the squad, and the goal of it is to repel the, the bugs on, on these different islands. And the islands are separated into, you, I guess you can call them levels. But they're just like different sections, and you have to pick one. You you have to pick one, and you you go to one, and then say, like, oh, you have to defend these, like the power grid in this level. So you go there, and there's two objectives, like two. There's typically anywhere between one to two two bonus objectives. They'll they'll vary. Yeah. The main goal is to survive, like, well, four or five turns, depending. Yeah, it's all. It's always five turns, and you basically changed a little bit. Okay, so yeah, like you said, it's like four to five turns, and basically you have to survive the bug onslaught. So it's not, it's not that you have to kill all the bugs. It's about just surviving those five turns without losing all your mechs. Because I think if you lose all your mechs, you have to reset the timeline, or losing all the buildings. Because the main goal of the like every section, like you said, there's buildings which are tied to the grid grid power that you were talking about.
1: Yeah, which is uh, basically
0: your life. It's like your hit
1: points. If you're if all the power goes out, uh, you lose the game, you have to reset the timeline. And that yeah, that, and that power doesn't it does not reset from mission to mission. You start I think with like five and you have to manage that amount. Like there's ways for you to increase it. Um
0: but yeah by like say doing like a bonus objective, or yeah, something or like that. at
1: the end of each island, you get to like each each mission you earn reputation, and at the end of the island you get to spend your reputation and you can buy um uh power grid points and you can buy like upgrades and different abilities or pilots and stuff like that. But yeah, so like I said, you go into the uh, each each map or each objective is different. And one thing that for me at first, it was not apparent, and you tell me if it was for you, but because I, I thought, okay, there's no way that these bonus objectives are just a bonus. It's whatever, if I get it, I get it. If I don't get it, whatever. Um, but it became very apparent to me when I got my first perfect island, because once you get, if you get all the bonus objectives and all the different uh, missions in that island, you get like a special, like a free bonus, right? You get to pick from like three different things.
0: Yeah, and uh, I I knew that the bonus objectives were important uh, because I I quickly understood that like the bonus objectives will typically do one of two things. They will either it'll say okay if you complete this at the end you are going to get an extra grid power which is the life of your your overall islands, right? Or you're going to get a a point to spend yeah yeah, a reputation which are basically points you spend at the end of every island to buy upgrades or new weapons for your mechs so I knew that was important but until you had told me that if you because I had never done it at this point is get a perfect on an island did you get a bonus yeah uh, like reward I didn't know that yeah me neither once I found that out for me the bonus
1: objectives basically became like an absolute like requirement like I will start with the first mission. Fail one thing, but reset, start over. Like,
0: yeah. I and I, I never, I wasn't like that. I mean, I wasn't that hardcore about it as far as because I think when you told me that, I, <laughs> I don't know if it was the exact next game after that or the game shortly after that because I've only played it seven times. Like I've only gone through seven uh, timelines, I guess you can say, and I, uh, I wound up beating it on my seventh, and it was after you had told me shortly after you had told me about that bonus objective that uh, I beat it because I knew I needed to really focus on that more. Yeah. Uh, So, So,
1: well, I I kind of just wanted to explain like what, what makes each game unique and interesting and like why is this game such a huge success? Um, Let's talk about the, the map, right? Like, let's talk about the different variants of the map. So, first thing you have is um, just the different tiles. You have a regular tile, um the the tile meaning the square that your unit will stand in uh you could have a tile that is water uh if it's water any land alien any land alien that you bump into the water is going to die if it's a boss it's considered a gigantic alien and it doesn't drown if it's a flying unit it also doesn't drown there's no effect Uh, you can have a forest which if any damage is taken in that tile it turns into fire, it turns the alien into fire, and that alien's going to take one damage every turn, which is really important. Um, If it's a cliff, uh, the alien or your unit, any non-flying unit, if it's bumped off, just falls to instant death and disappears.
0: Um,
1: Then you have... Yeah, I...
0: Like, (sighs) there's there's definitely a lot of them. Like, I don't know if you want to go through... Do you want to go through every single one? Because it seems like uh, it's... I don't know if you want to leave that for like discovery because I know one of the things I had fun about doing about this game was trying to figure out how everything is going to react to things in the game. So I think the big thing is talking about I guess how you have to get through these islands or how you do it. Like I'm, I don't know if you you want to go through it that way or because the like the game mechanically it's super fun as far as you have these three mechs and you have to defend against these islands but you you have to use everything like the game is a puzzle game essentially i think it is it's not so much like you said since it's not so much about destroying the enemies it's surviving those five turns you have to like give and take on what you're going to do and yet you use the environment to do that and there's different each of the islands gives you like a separate little puzzle on how to interact right. with it. like right like you're uh, saying like the forest and stuff yeah uh,
1: so so yeah that's a fair point uh, there's I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's a ton of variables, right? And on top of that, you have the unique features of each team. So, like, each team will have, like, a set of skills or abilities that exploits or uh, cancels out or deals with one of these, like, variables in, like,
0: interesting ways. Uh, Yeah, so, so like, definitely, like, you know, you you were talking about (laughs) – I guess the one thing that that you can say no matter whether you love the game or you didn't, it's a highly replayable game. It is. Uh, And that's, for me,
1: it really reminds me of uh, FTL, which is the first game that this company made. Um, It it has that, like, infinite, I could play that game for, I think I played so far, like, something close to, like, 42 hours of this game. I think I've only, like, 150th timeline or something like that.
0: I mean, yeah, I have to give props to you because I don't, I, I couldn't see me playing the game like that. But that's that, it,
1: that's what I want to tell you, talk to you about real quick because okay, here's here's my experience, right? So, the same team that you beat the game with, which is the second team you go with, it's yeah. very unique. It's very weak in the beginning. Um, basically, their theme is two of their units they can create a smoke in the field, and that smoke. Cancels out the ability or the attack of any anyone that gets into it, um, but they also have a special ability that if an, a unit stays in that smoke, it takes damage, um, which is neat. It's like a neat thing, and it's you can create some
0: like nice plays with it. Um, yeah, which... no, it's definitely like uh, I, I played the first team, and I I thought I w- I love the first team because the first team is it's much more. Uh, it's just basically its movement where like if they hit something right. it's going to move whatever right. hits you're like, like back bumping the aliens into like so, so and, i yeah. i don't think we like mentioned it like when when you're starting a turn you know what the enemy is going to right. do right they
1: they always go first and you can see like what buildings they're trying to attack what yeah, attack so t- they're going to use what direction it's going to go into
0: yeah so we'll, when he says they go first is they move and then they choose what their attack is going to be. So it's choreographed what they're going to do. But after they do that, before they attack, you have a chance to react with your mechs, figure out what you're going to do. Now, so what's what this it means is like some mechs, like he, we said, the first team can, they'll damage a bug, but they'll also move it. Right. So So say the... Say the bug is going to attack uh, a building right uh, to the right, but then you attack it, so it's going to move it one square to the left. So it's still going to attack that that right, right position, like in a straight since, line. Yeah, but since the building is no longer there, something else is there. Uh, it's going to attack that empty square, right? Now, Which is cool because sometimes that can be another alien, and you can make them attack each other. Yeah, exactly. So. So I I really like the strategy of that, and that's why we're talking about how it's it's so compact and there's so many different variables, especially when you add different mech teams because you have to learn how these mechs can deal with these enemies and also how those mechs will, will interact with the different environments because some are stronger in some environments than others. Yeah, and it, uh, it starts manageable. But like I read a, one of the,
1: I think... Uh, reviews that got me to play the game was from pc gamer and like one of the ways they described in the beginning it's like being on a submarine that has like 20 holes in it and you can only patch like two at a time you know like yeah. you only have two hands you have to like figure out like how to survive basically
0: yeah and definitely and so like i you know I, I, I when I was talking to Andre about this game, I'm definitely not as hot as he is on. Like he loves this game; he spent 42 hours with it, or however long he said. Yeah. Like, I like the game. I think I see what is great about it, and like I think there's a lot of strategy, and you can have a lot of fun with it. Yes. Uh, so, so let me just finish real quick with the, with the right.
1: experience that drove me to want to talk about this game, right? right? So, I play with the second team, the team that makes smoke. I straight up lost like 30 times, like. To the point where i was like picking up the and going oh man like this again you know and like just i was getting to my very limits of um like being willing to keep playing the game um yeah. because something would go like horribly wrong like on the second island and basically after you beat like the first two islands you can go to like a final stage uh which is like a hard mission uh, and the more islands you beat before you go to that stage past two, the harder it gets, right? Yeah, so, so it scales. Right, it scales, and I was trying to get, like, just anything. I was trying to get, like, my first win, which is what basically after you do two islands, uh, and I just could not do it. Like, I was beyond frustrated. So, so was that the first time you beat the game? No, no, I had already beat the game. My So my strategy for the game, like, my self-imposed, I guess, progression for the game is I have to... Uh, get because each team, each like squad team, has three like um, three achievements you can do, right? Like that are unique yeah. to them. So I have to play a squad. I have to get the three achievements and I have to beat the game with that squad. And then I move on to the next squad. And I have to do the same thing. I have to go all the squad achievements, beat the game with that squad, and then we're good to go. And before I can say that I'm completely done with the game, I have to beat the game with like all different types of islands, like with two, three, or four islands. But anyways. Oh, okay. So I was like at my wits end right like ready to like throw the console like out the window um and I got this there was this one perfect first island like I mentioned that you can get this like uh, time pods that drop and give you bonuses I think the first island I had like three of them and I got all the bonus achieve all the bonus objectives it was just perfect <laughs> and I was so powerful after that island that like the next island, because that team is a team where once you uh, invest some uh, skill points or upgrade points in the Demex, you can make that, that little theme of him you can make stronger. For example, uh, in the beginning, one of the robots, like he jumps over a unit, and when he jumps over that unit, he plops smoke, so it yeah. stops that unit's attack, right? So you can, ev- you yeah, can yeah. upgrade him to jump two spots and drop two clouds of smoke, uh, but that costs a lot. It costs like four upgrade points, which is, it's it's huge. Like sometimes you can't even get that after uh, defeating like the first island, right? So anyways, yeah. I had upgraded my team. And once I did that, I was like dominating the battle. Like there was no, I would get into this horrible situations. I mean, cause you get, you get like outnumbered quickly, right? Where like, there's always three of you, but then something happens and there's like s- five or six aliens. Uh, and yes. maybe you couldn't kill an alien that turned before you had to like bump him sideways just to avoid damage. Uh, but that causes a problem the next turn because three more aliens come from the ground and then your situation just gets even worse. And I will get into this like really bad situations where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so screwed. But my team would have the tools and the tactics to like beat it. Uh, and as I beat the second Island of a perfect Island again, I beat. I went to the third island, got even more powerful, um, had even more fun with how these impossible situations would kind of seemingly become like you know second nature to to my team, uh, and then into a fourth perfect island, and then I beat the game with a perfect execution of all. I got an achievement for beating like you know having like a perfect strategy, or whatever. Um, and for me, that was such an amazing, amazing. feeling amazing gaming moments and I mean I'll compare it to beating Guhoom after six weeks of trying for you know six hours a week it was like this you know I went through like this really tough rough you know many tries to kind of hitting my stride having everything go my way and like just enjoying like this dominance that it's for me it's like the essence of progression where like you start off from nothing and eventually you become powerful. Uh, and few games can do that to you. Like few games can give you that sense of accomplishments, that sense of um, like really
0: overcoming, you know, like impossible odds. I mean, um, I, I I think there's quite a bit of games that do that. Like, I mean, I think that's what most gamers tend to like about. Well, I I, mean, I agree with that, but I, I guess the.
1: The distinctive thing here is like the degree of that experience, right? Like how, like, did you feel? Like, ah, oh, you know, cool, you know, or was it something like just like knocked you like off, like knocked your socks off? You know what I'm saying? And that for yeah. me, that was like a super intensive kind of kind of now, experience.
0: So, so oh, I, I I definitely get that because the thing about this game that like I get that reward system you you, you got like I when I. When I beat the game, I, I use that same squad. Right. I just, I really like that squad. Like, I'm yeah. true, I only played two squads. I think I'm, tr- I'm trying a third one now, but I don't really know if, like, maybe I'm so used to the other squads. Is it the, the,
1: the one with the laser, the Zenith, Zenith squad? No,
0: no, I'm trying the one that has, like, the one right after that where it's, like, they have, like, one of the guys has, like, an electrical whip that attacks oh, yeah. other guys. And I guess since I'm so used to playing with the storm clouds, squad i think they're called like the rust squad yeah and i just like that mechanic of putting the storm clouds so it cancels out attacks it's just i mean i have to hand it to because from what i played from the first squad to the second squad to this this one that i'm trying now is they all play differently oh yeah like it's it completely changes the game the strategy that you have for it so it is like almost like eight eight games in one or i mean you know, at least just how you're you're gonna play and tackle these. It just feels very different, and you definitely need to have a different mindset between each of these these uh, squads. Yeah. Uh, and the fun is, for me, is trying to figure out how to handle like how to learn these squads. Right. Because really like there's very little you can take from one squad to another and it's going to make them work like, yep. Well, cause I could tell you like I got, I'm really good with the, the rough squad maybe because the class, the, the style of play for it works well with my mentality. But as soon as I tried this, this electrical squad with the whip or whatever, I got shut down so easily. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I was not able to wrap my head around it. And true, I've only played it like one time. And if if I try it like again, uh, I can. But for me, like I beat the game. Like I like once I beat the game with one squad, I'm like, yeah, okay, you, you're like, done. Yeah, I'm like I'm I'm satisfied. It's like okay, well, that was the challenge was beating it. It's not trying yeah. to beat it in these different permutations. Yeah, of, but.
1: That's why, for me, like my that's that is my view of what's to experience the game is beating the game of every team. You know that's, but like this really brings me now to the point I wanted to talk about, which okay. is this well, it is where we're there. <laughs> yeah, this is where we're going into Celeste, right? Okay. So let's pause. The, let's hit the pause button. we quick into the breach. So very quick, if you haven't heard of Celeste, we talked about it in episode zero that nobody heard our uh, Alpha.
0: Uh, podcast well we argued about it for for a good like 15 minutes that's for sure
1: yeah it it, it was in the category for game of the year for the game awards which that was kind of the root of our our argument it's a uh, it's a platformer right a bit platformer beautiful very 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 hard right yes it's it's, and it, it the game knows it's hard it begins by telling you you can do this and there's this like um Parallels between what you are experiencing in the game with the hardships and the main character, because it's like a young girl, and she has like doubts, and she has like this yeah, psychological so, thing. I she mean, deals
0: with. It, the game is super simplistic starting off, where it's just basically she. It starts off where she wants to go climb a mountain, so she's going to this mountain called Celeste, and she just wants to climb it. And right. that's where the platforming comes in, as she's going through all these stages, just trying to get to the top of the mountain.
1: Right, and what but, it boils down to is this awesome platforming experience. You have all kinds of different mechanics, the platforming, but the, the, the theme is how hard it is, right? Because the yeah. game actually counts how many times you die. Uh, and what would you say you died? How many times? On the I,
0: I've probably like when I beat the game, I had died around 16, 1700 times. Right. But in how long did you play Celeste for? Mm, I want to say a good 10 to 12 hours. Right. So,
1: what I'm getting to is what excites us, what kinds of challenges makes us play games, right? Because the whole roguelike thing only exists because of this, like dark souls, right? It was like one of the first games that really made like the challenge again, like a main theme and feature of a game. Um, but Celeste and into the breach, two very different types of challenges. Um, I could care less for Celeste. Like, I probably would play Celeste, and if I had to for like the podcast, I would tell you like, yeah, I liked things, and I could see myself playing it. But um, when you beat Celeste, the very hard game, there's a part B, correct?
0: Side B? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's you, it's not when you beat it. So whenever there's the game is in chapters, and there's typically there's nine. Uh, there's sorry, there's. Eight chapters in the game. I think there's seven regular chapters and then this like a final secret chapter. Uh, but within those chapters there's a cassette, right? Like, and if you get the cassette, it basically uh, it's a it turns that chapter into a side B, or you can play it as a side B, which is basically a uh, a harder version of that kind of remix levels with right. different platforming challenges.
1: So it's a harder version of the level, and you recently find out found out that there is an actual side C, a even harder yes.
0: version. Of the- to the levels yes but i don't know i have never tried it or i don't know how to unlock it right all right everyone check your equipment restock those potions and load up on magic scrolls because it's time for the main quest so and and for me
1: i think that this is a really interesting topic you know like what is the different things about these kinds of challenges that for me for example i can play faster than light like I said I can play Into the Breach forever like yeah as I did reach a point as, as I mentioned before where I was really feeling frustrated I know you didn't experience that with Celeste um, but uh, I really think that there are different types and levels of challenges that will drive different people to play games um, another example oh, is, I, I totally agree man like it's let's talk it's, about something that neither you or I particularly care much about um, in World of Warcraft, in WoW, there is a system of uh, pet battles, correct? Where you can have this yeah. like cute little pets. They're like they're not really Pokemon styles, but they're they're like mini pets you can collect and they can fight. Yeah, each it's other. just something
0: that, that'll follow you around. They don't do anything. They don't help you fight or right. do anything. They're just kind of like an aesthetic thing where they just follow you around.
1: And it's it's a game within a game. And one of our good friends in, in our guild, uh, one of our uh, the guild masters, uh, masters actually Nisi. Um, she is, like, all about uh, pet battles. Like, she loves it. It's, like, probably the biggest thing for her in WoW or close to, right? Yeah, yeah. And you couldn't pay me money to, like, collect pets in and WoW
0: and, and, like, battle them.
1: Like, you just couldn't.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, s- same here. Like, I have absolutely no interest spending time doing that. I I don't find it... It's just not something that grinds, uh, you know, like it's not the carrot and the stick that I'm looking for. Right, And, and exactly. So as a as a, a gamer,
1: like I had never considered this. Like I would never think that a developer would say, let's make this challenging but in this way because I think this way or this challenge will be more attractive or manageable or popular. Um, but th- there really are like... Distinctive types of challenging uh, mechanics or gameplay features, I think, that appeal to different people. And I think it's if you stop to think about it and look at some of these recent games and some of these ex- examples that I just mentioned, it's it's pretty pretty clear.
0: No, uh, I mean, I definitely I agree. I just, I guess, what do you want to talk about? Like, as far as like what what drives you to play like, or why I don't like those, or the differences between why I would like something like. Like uh, into the breach, but I mean, love how I like love Celeste and that. Like I could totally play that over, like until I complete everything or into the breach. Like, yeah, I mean,
1: what's your take? Like, what what about I think what about for you? Like, is that Celeste challenge and and and, and into the breach challenge? Like, because you have said so many times that rogue like games are not for you. Like, you're, yes, you're not in the I like experience.
0: Correct. I don't like a game that first of all, with roguelikes, there is skill in it. I'm not going to deny that, but there is also a heavy term of luck. Getting the right things that that right. are just a random t- chance that you're going to get uh, in order to progress farther. And if you just get a bad roll of the dice, then right. it's just it's no matter what you do, you're not you're going to have to reset, or you know you you don't get anything out of it. That's uh, that's like a fundamental thing that I cannot stand in games that, that turns me off. I can't play something and then, you know, play it for an hour and then something bad happens or I don't have the right thing to deal with whatever and I have to start from the very beginning. I don't like that type of game, which is why I don't play a lot of arcade games. I, I mean, I like them. I can play them in very, very short bursts, like a five minute, ten minutes, but I can't play like put the hours like say you put into into the breach or anything like that because it's not there's no like definitive end to it and that's one of the things that i love about celeste what and why i can do it is yes it's it's super hard like same with uh like we're talking about celeste and like a dark souls or any of these games where i'm gonna die a lot but it's to me i never feel like those games it's it's not by chance that I die. Like, the mechanics are there right in front of me. Like, I have progressed to this point, point. this is a challenge I have to overcome, and then I complete it. And if I fail, I I start right at the beginning of that section, but not all the way back to the beginning. So, no matter how much I'm good at, like, the first, like, 45 minutes of the game, I don't have to keep playing that 45 minutes over just to get to this one spot and die, and then have to do the other part I already know to get to this, this... section uh and just the act of that happening like like when i I talk about moonlighter like i like moonlighter a lot but the times like i have to stop playing is after i've done a run i've done really well and i mess up at the end for whatever reason like i still can progress but i have to stop playing the game for like a day or two because it just it turns me off so much yeah and with you and like with celeste and even with like Dark Souls, like I get frustrated a little bit with Dark Souls, but it's never something that pushes me back more than five or ten minutes. Uh, it's and with Celeste especially, it's typically like the stages are like thirty seconds. But once you beat that, you don't have to go back to it at any point unless you want to just try and do it better for whatever reason. You, you're always progressing through a story or a level or well, I mean, an
1: experience. If you, if you want to play part side B and side C, you do have to do it again.
0: Yeah, but they're like a they're completely different. Like it's not like the story itself. It's it's they're different challenges, but it's still like a linear progression of a challenge. Like yeah, I mean, so I can say the same thing about Into the Breach, and
1: I can say that the things that are luck in Into the Breach or games like that um, for me, that's what they add to the game. They add this unpredictable challenge that it's like and. Also I enjoyed this a lot in Civilization games where you start the map and you don't know what you're gonna like what kinds of you know, things you're you're gonna be given, uh, what kinds of challenges you're gonna be given. But I feel like yeah, that yeah. luck and, you mentioned, I think that's what makes the game special to me.
0: Yeah, and and that's cool. Like, I total, like, I like I play into the breach. It's 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 super fun. I cannot deny that I can't say, Oh man, this game is like the worst strategy game I've ever played. I you're not going to hear me say that uh because i think mechanically it is super fun but what's going to propel me to play it is not to try the different permutations of it it's like okay i beat the game it was fun i had a nice run i i beat it with i the with this team i did four four islands uh and i then i completed it uh so i got the four island victory whatever but I wasn't like, so now I don't feel like I need to go back. Like uh, I saw the ending, you know, for, you know, whatever you like about the ending. Like I like, I like a beginning, middle and end. I don't like a beginning, middle and end, then a beginning, middle and end, and a beginning, middle and end. Like I, it's yeah, just, and, and I hear you, I don't know. I, I feel like that's more of a,
1: like a concept you have in your head than, uh, a thing that actually materializes in games because I've seen you do that all the time with games where you want to platinum it out. Like you said, uh, you want to get all the achievements and you're going back to wherever you have to, to, the beginning, whatever, to get a certain something to give you an achievement. I mean, how is that any different?
0: Well, and like say that, uh, no, I get what you're, you're coming from. Um, where it's like I want 100% something even after I've done it like say like I go back to Spyro and I just want to collect this like I think it's different because like I'm just doing that to have like just try and collect the stuff that's already there it was it was something optional to do Uh, but it's
1: I, I think that's it I think that's because you want to and the game is not forcing you Yes. I think that's why you have a problem with it because you feel like the game is forcing you to do something that you may not want to as opposed to it, you can just go do whatever you want to or not
0: yeah and like and I don't I don't collect everything like in, in games I love like sometimes I'll even get bored of that like the reason why I did something like that in like Spyro is because it was like an eight hours of my time but for me to you know like I feel like uh, maybe I need to get something new out of it through the experience like I said with you know, Spyro, to me, that's very low-maintenance on brain power. I could just do that. Uh, I've done it for other games. Uh, but usually, like, they're skill-based achievements. Uh, and it's, and, and still, it's still towards that goal of getting that platinum. And I don't have a lot of platinums. I've gotten like... I I may have like 12 in my 10 years on like PSN Network. It's not something I like typically strive to do. But if it's a game I absolutely love and have a blast doing... Then yeah, I might try and get that platinum for it if if I feel it's like attainable. Like like I love Persona Four, like that game to get the platinum on that, that would take me like two hundred fucking hours. Like I'm not yeah. doing it. Like I, <laughs> no matter how much I love it, yeah. in order to get that, it's. Like, I'd have to play the whole game over again. Like, yeah. and yeah, they have, like, a new game plus, and you have to have, like, a spreadsheet to find out how to get these. I don't do that. Like, yeah. if it's something like Spyro where I can beat the game in, like, six hours, and then, okay, to, like, sweep up and get everything is gonna take me, like, another two hours, that's great. Like, I can just do that. I can, you know, have a rough day, and I just need to trigger my brain off and just have that sense of, a, like, an achievement. Like, I'm completing something. I've ticked yeah. off that checkmark. Yeah. I, 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 I get that.
1: And I hear you, like... and there's definitely, for me, there's a threshold in games where I'm like, this is hard but fun, and this is just like, forget it. Um, I love Bloodborne, right? Bloodborne is a game that's kind of a clone, uh, Dark Souls clone, right? Uh, loved yeah. it. Loved the Um I really think that there's little things about certain genres or types of games that makes us connect to them, Um for example, I don't think you would have played other roguelikes but you like Into the Breach, right? Because of the the, the strategies. Uh yeah,
0: I, and like I I liked into the breach and it's it's even though I don't really like roguelikes, I, I can appreciate what people like about them. Right. Like, but
1: even uh, even that is something that I think speaks volume because for example, Stardew Valley. I would not have played Stardew Valley. I mean I tried to, didn't like it, it's not my thing. But <laughs> uh, Graveyard Keeper is basically a Stardew Valley clone with a different theme and I freaking love that I played all day long you know like I'm yeah. not a platformer guy when we talk about the 2019 games we're gonna we're looking forward to there is a game there that I'm really looking forward to and it's a platformer uh, but it's a platformer in that niche it has whatever element you know I appreciate that would make me kind of dive in into that type of game you know so i think depending on how strong that is uh you will make you kind of um ignore the dislikes that you have uh about that certain genre or a certain type of game uh and i i think that's a real um uh like difference i, I say i guess between uh like a a game that's distinctive like that's special and a game that's just kind of cashing in on you know a whatever you know success of uh of other games.
0: Yeah, and and I hope like through our conversation uh, it hasn't come off across that I like I I hate roguelikes because I think they're bad games. I don't. I just it's not like listen, like I like RPGs. I like these like somebody's going to find some people just like first person shooters. They just like Call of Duty. It does I don't think it's less of a game because of that. Uh, but it's just it's not something that in the long term that is gonna hook me i appreciate it i think it's it's fun game if you like strategy games it's it, think of it like like sudoku like i i think of it in a way like that like you know if you like sudoku it's and it's hard to compare i don't know if it's a right comparison but yeah. you know it's, it's something where you have a challenge it's the same thing chess is the same thing and you just have to like the, just the permutations and i that's not how, i like always progressing forward on something like uh, okay i do this puzzle and then i want to move on like i don't want to like stay okay now let me just change two things on this and then do it again Uh, yeah it's just i totally get why people like that it it uh fires something in the brain which is awesome it's it's not what i'm gonna go for and i yeah and at the same time like that's why i love celeste celeste was it's super hard like i I die like seventeen hundred times. Uh, Jesus. But I always move forward and with a
1: smile on your face.
0: Yeah. I mean the whole there's not one time where I think I like, all right, screw this game. I'm done with it. Yeah. I wanted to like progress. The whole time I felt like a sense of accomplishment. It, yeah. It's like you when you beat that that, that fifth island when when we defeated Gahoon, everybody like jumped out for joy. Yeah. To me, to me, I didn't need to do five islands to do that. With Celeste, it was thir- a thirty-second challenge that was like super hard. That I took me maybe ten minutes to get done. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Uh, and then I, I, I'm not looking back. Always like, looking I, forward. I, I'm not. I don't think that you had the
1: same like like level of uh, like the intensity, but maybe were like micro like experiences where you feel like you just overcame this you know like crazy challenge and you feel like proud I mean and I what I played uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks weekends ago Jesus Christ can I talk yes at your house I played Celeste right yeah and uh, I picked it up my wife was playing it she was like she got stuck in the play so I picked it up control I was like alright let's try this and for me like from the get go I did not think I could be that whatsoever because you had to like you had to jump forward and then dash up and then time the dash right so that it you like didn't hit the spikes and then you started to fall. And then mid-fall, you had to like hit the wall and then dash again to like a tiny yeah, little crevice.
0: Yeah, and maybe I'm a, bit, a little bit of a sedate, sadist when it comes to you because that was like the B-side on the last world or last chapter. Uh, great. So you're like basically going from... Where Celeste builds up from the beginning of like okay. complication, yeah. well, I, feel,
1: st- I feel even better because my point is, I did it. Like I, I beat the, the little portion of the level, and I did. Feel, I, I did feel like, uh, like that that great sense of like accomplishment for beating it. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I hear, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, it's. I think my original point is uh, there's definitely uh, challenges that are that like kind of hit people in different ways and and, and kind of bring a certain interest or following to a a game. Uh, And that's something I'm going to be kind of a little bit more cognizant to in the future. Uh, And as we play games and talk about games, I'm kind of going to keep that in mind and and kind of go back to this conversation. And if you're out there listening, uh, feel free to give us some feedback on the kinds of challenging games that you've played and what kind of challenges drives you in games. Uh, We're uh, about... Are we an hour and a half yeah. in, or are we an hour Yeah,
0: half? no, we're like an hour and 35 minutes. Well, I like to so, apologize to Anna, one of our friends. <laughs> uh, we yeah. wanted to keep this
1: at 50, uh, 59 minutes. But what uh, we're going to do now is basically this is going to be part one of our podcast. So uh, yeah. the next thing we're going to talk about is a 2019 games we're looking forward to. Uh, if that's something that you're interested, please stick around and uh, and, and listen. Uh, well, if not, uh, we'll see you next week. In, in all
0: honestly, I think what we have right now is like really good – like because we kind of went from Into the Breach into a different subject. And I think what we need to do is cut it off. Like, that's going to have to be our end right now because we're an hour and a half in. uh, And I want, like, what I'll do is either when you get back, because, you know, behind the scenes, Andre's going to go away for a couple of days. So we kind of recorded this a little earlier than I thought. Uh, So he's going to be gone for five days. So what I want to do is maybe clean this up this that was going to be our like end and then next episode is just instead of talking about games we're playing we're going to talk about it's just going to be if it's like a 45 minute or like an hour and a half like it is again because what i'm noticing is we tend to talk a lot more than i thought we were going to about it yeah same thing, which is cool yeah. like it's i i it's fun to do that and I, I like doing it listen like we're beginning this we're still trying to figure everything out so I appreciate everybody, you know, sticking along for the ride and and kind of seeing where we're gonna go from here. But like, I think next episode or maybe we'll make it a special episode. Yeah. And it's just gonna focus on 2019 in the games. We have, like we have a huge list, and from looking at this, like we can easily talk over an hour in it. And right now it's like 11:30. Yeah. And i I've, I've gotta like I've gotta get ready for work tomorrow morning. Like I said, uh, but I think we have a lot of solid stuff in here uh and like guys like what did what did you think about this did you like us going really in deep with into the breach uh you know talking about one game specifically uh did did it persuade you guys maybe you want to try it or you know did you not like that format so much for us let us know uh i had a lot of fun talking about it uh i think me and you you know we both yeah. enjoy the game like and i oh, yeah. think we got our poise pause yeah i think it, it was. A it's fly. not
1: it's not a big investment either so i think re- like regular
0: price is like 14 dollars, right 14.99 yeah uh usually it, it usually goes on sale for 10 but like for right now there's no sales or anything that we know you can get it on any platform it's on yeah all the consoles uh it's i got i i personally got it on switch but so like listen if you like the game but you want it portable. I mean, Jesus Christ, get it on switch. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Like you can literally pick it up and just play it anywhere, which it is very suited for that. It is. Uh, but you can also get it on steam or just anywhere in general. Uh, I will, in the show notes, I'm going to put links to all the games we talked about. Uh, for now, I'm just going to put the steam links, uh, if it's available there or, uh, like with magic, I'll, I'll put a link where you can at least look at it or like a video of something, uh, interests you. Yep. Uh, but, man, Andre, like, uh, I know we had t- decided to talk about 2019, but I just think we've got a lot right now, and I, I've i got to get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, man. Uh, I'm having a lot of
1: fun, and, uh, um, again, i really like to thank all the, uh, friends and family and folks that, that have uh, listened to our podcast so far, and, uh, uh we're looking forward to inviting, uh, some of you to uh, join us in the future and uh, contribute. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think that's a good idea, man. Uh, I think that uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming out in 2019. So dedicating a show to it, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our show today.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, and like I said, right now we're officially on a whole bunch of platforms. Uh, if there's a platform we're not on, email me, or if you have any questions, or co- uh, I mean, I guess you can leave comments on the site. It's or the platform itself but if you want to just email us directly just send it to sidescrolls at gmail.com it's very simple uh give us any information you guys want if you guys want to ask a question or you want us to talk about i would love to integrate user questions into the the podcast so you know help us kind of drive things if there's a game you like that you want us to check out to talk about eventually in depth go ahead and send us that or uh, if there's something you agreed with or don't agree or something you like that we did, please just send us all know. feedback yep. and comments to us. Uh, and it's simple. Just, uh, remember it's side scrolls at gmail.com. Very simple. Uh, all awesome. right. Uh, other than that, you got anything else you want to say, Andre? Uh, no,
1: man, I'm only going to for five days and I'll be playing a whole lot of into the breach. Uh, and, uh, I can't, I can't take my gaming rig with me, but I'll take, uh, a smaller tablet, so into the breach and uh uh Graveyard Keeper would be perfect games for me to play when I can over there.
0: All right, well definitely and Maybe I'll beat Spyro too and then uh talk about some new games. Uh remember like next episode, it's gonna be all about 2019 and what's coming out. Uh and I'm super excited to talk to you guys about it. Uh so we'll talk to you guys later. All right.
1: Take care. Thank
0: you. See ya. Hey everybody! Welcome to the second episode of Side Scrolls. I'm your host Robert Schlofke, and joining me today, as always, is Andre. To tu- let's <laughs> restart.